Amen. We look back over the old shoulder and we see what we used to be and we get that old song, I thank God I'm not what I used to be, right? Amen. We are new creatures in Christ. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. And God says he's going to do a new thing. He says, I will put a new heart and a new mind in you. Amen. Praise God. And that's to help our identity. Amen. When we are born again, when we are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with this spirit, we have risen, Paul says in Romans 6, to walk in newness of life, a new identity. Amen. We reflect Jesus Christ now in everything that we do. We allow his life to be seen through our life. The fruit of the Spirit becoming operations. The gift of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, begins to operate in our lives and begin to reveal to the world around us that Jesus is God. It reveals through us, amen, what Christ can be in everyone's life. Our identity. Amen. And we don't, we want to make sure, I, I think, as I said last week, I think it's interesting that the world has come up with all these ways to try to steal your identity. And isn't it amazing? They're trying to steal now. You look, they're trying to steal the identity of the Christians. You know, they're trying to take it away. They're trying to say, you don't have to look like that. You don't have to dress like that. You know, they're trying to steal your identity that identifies you with Jesus Christ. They're trying to now, they say, you know, the, the, the way if you curse a lot, that, you know, it, it makes you uh, strong, you know, to, you know, give me a break. It makes you weak, you know. I, and I, I saw that a little bit. I was watching the uh, uh, obituary or funeral a little bit of uh, the thing of Kobe Bryant and some of the guys that was getting up and speaking. It was amazing to me. Uh, I only got through about five or ten seconds before somebody started using profanity and I had to let it go. You know, who would usually, you know, you go to a funeral, you would never hear people cursing and using foul language and everything at a person's funeral. You know, you would never think you would hear that. But all those, all of them was getting up and that's what they were doing, you know. And so, and so, you know, and, you know, you just desecrate the person even worse, you know. So in yourself, you know, lack of dignity and respect for yourself, you know. And so we have to make sure that we don't lose our identity in Christ. Amen. The world is looking. Jesus told us, you know, in, in Matthew 5, he says, let your light shine. That men shall see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. He says, you don't buy a, a, a candle and light it and put it on a bushel. He says, you set it on a candlestick that it can give light to everybody in the room. So let your light shine. Our identity is of who we are. Amen. We should be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We don't have to fear. Amen. You know, somebody out there is looking. Somebody out there is going to emulate you. And somebody is going to try to find out why you dress the way you do, why you look the way you do, why you go to church, why you do things the way that you do. There's somebody is looking because they see the difference. They see, you know, what is in you. They know there's something totally different and it's something that they all want and they're looking for it. 
Amen. And as our world is turned upside down, they are looking. Amen. And so we need to be what Christ has called us to be. We need to identify with him. We need to hold fast to this apostolic truth and live according to the word of God because we're going to a better place. Amen. And we see throughout scripture in the book of Acts, amen, they were constantly identified with being with Jesus. You know, they was constantly apostles. They was identified. You know, they was beaten. They was sown as under. They was bruised. They was went to a whole lot of things for that name of Jesus Christ. And, you know, and so Jesus tell us the same thing. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be talked about. Things are going to happen, but still let your light shine. Be my identity in the earth. Amen. And so we was talking a little bit last week about being the identity of being spirit filled. Man, the Holy Ghost should be in operation in our lives like never before. Amen. His spirit should be so deep rooted in us. Amen. That we are walking just like him. We should be walking like him. We should be talking like him. Amen. The things about Christ, the spirit should be in full operation now in our lives. And so that people can see the value and the importance of having the Holy Ghost inside of you. You know, when you look at the Old Testament, as you've been reading through the book of Leviticus, and God gives uh, Moses instructions of Aaron and the priesthood, of how they are to dress with the holy garments, and how he is to they, they be anointed. If you notice, first of all, amen, they was to be brought, they was to be washed. And then they was to take and they was to kill a sacrifice. They was to take the blood and put it on his right ear and the right thumb and the right toe, big toe, you know. Amen. Hear right, feel right, walk right. <laughs> you know, so he had to be, in a, be anointed. And then notice on top of the blood, they had to come right back and put the oil. You know, and the oil on the same spots. When you look at Peter, I mean, and John, when they says, you know, these three that bear witness in the earth, the water, the blood, and the spirit, right? And they agree in one. You know, that's baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a type and shadow of what was to come. The new birth. Amen. So they were anointed. Amen. And we are been anointed. Amen. For the same purpose. Amen. It's to reflect. Notice Aaron's garments. Amen. How beautiful. Can you imagine how beautiful that must have looked like? With all of those different gems in the breast, one representing every tribe of Israel and, you know, that blue ribbon around the, the fringe, amen, and how his breastplate and everything, how beautiful that must have been when the, when the light hit it just right and stuff, man. He was probably just shining and glowing and glittering, you know. I'm sure the sun was probably always shining around them, you know. So you can imagine what that must have looked like to, to have that design. Well, and, and this is what God is saying to us, you know, is that we've been anointed for the service of the Lord. And so, therefore, our garments, amen, our adornment, should be beautiful, it should be modest, it should be clean, it should be, you know, a representation of Jesus. But as I said earlier, the world is trying to steal your identity. Amen. You know, we used to look modest and stuff, but now people just want anything. 
You know, no people. If you go to Walmart and stuff, you know, people go out and, you know, our our grandparents and parents are probably flipping in their graves. <laughs> you know, kids, people going to Walmart, going out now in the pajamas and everything else. You know, flip flops and, you know, and when I go, when I travel, sometimes and I'm at a hotel that had continental breakfast. It amazes me how many people come down for breakfast. You know, face hasn't been washed and matter is still in their eyes and they still got on their sleeping clothes and they come down and you know to want to eat and everything else and you know their kids have on soggy diapers and everything else you know and we wonder why we got coronaviruses everywhere you know I, I think you probably remember I told you that God had told us to pray for the, against the unclean spirits you remember that about four years ago when we was out doing prayer walks over the city. And God says, pray against the unclean spirits. Uh, we need to keep praying against this because that's what is happening. You know, people don't care anymore. People have no dignity anymore. God forbid that that should happen to the church. We have to have self-respect. For ourselves, amen, and for the things of God, all of us in every place. We must teach the truth of God's word and live the truth of God's word. Amen. Deuteronomy 22.5, familiar passage of scripture and our identity and adornment. And the women shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garments for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. It's an abomination to the Lord our God. Too. The word abomination and abominations appeared in the New Testament or the King James Bible over 152 times. When we examine the Greek and Hebrew word translate abomination in Scripture, we see that these words have definite implications. Abomination is used exclusively to describe things that are disgusting, loathsome, and absolutely intolerable things that are unacceptable to God. And when that word is used, it does not change. Amen. And that's why we have to make sure that we do not mix. I know that the world is trying to say, well, it doesn't matter what you wear. But I guarantee you, if you have known me, all for my, as, just say the short period of time you've known me. And I would walk in here with a dress on. You guys are going to go nuts. You know, you're going to say, he's lost his cookies. You know, what in the world has happened to him? You know, and this is what Paul is saying, basically, when he's talking about the hair, limps, and everything over in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, does not nature teach you? You know, our world, our culture teaches us that if I wear a dress, it's not natural. You know, and if women wear pants, it's not natural. Because in Western culture... Those are, have always been the garments of opposite sexes. See? And so that's why even in Paul's time, you know, they had different culture garments or, or garments for each sex. You know? 
And so if one wore the garments of another, it would be unnatural. See? And so therefore, we must not allow ourselves to be drawn into what the world thinks and the way the world thinks. As I said earlier, the world is trying to steal your identity. You know, if you stop and think about this, and I and I, I, I keep praying and I keep trying to figure it out. When I go into places like Walmart or some of these stores and some of the people they have on the doors now and some of the cash registers, I'm sorry, but I can't tell if they're women or men. You know, and I have to stop and I have to talk to them. And I have to get a good look, you know, to see if there's Adam apples and stuff, you know, to try to see who they are. You know, I mean, it is, is, that's the world is trying to destroy the identity of males and females. And people don't realize it. In our world, they just bind into it. Let them be what they want. Let them be what they want. Let them live the way they want. Let them do what they want. No, it goes against the word of God. And so, you know, we have the responsibility as children of God to let our light shine. You know, we have to take a stand. As Paul says, you've got to put on the whole armor of God. You know, in these last days, perilous time is going to come. But we have to still identify with Jesus Christ. Amen. Because there is going to be some young girl that wants to be a woman. And there is going to be some young boys that wants to be men. You know, and we have got to be an example for them to see. Amen. You know, there's getting ready to be a thing here now in the city, in the schools, I think, is coming up. You know, that, you know, they're going to have the transgenders reading to the school children and teaching the children and stuff coming into the school. You know, if parents don't wake up and take a stand, you know, their, their children is going to be indoctrinated with this. And you're going to have a whole lot of trouble in your home trying to stop it. Because once that roller coaster stops rolling, there's not going to be any stopping it. You know, so we have to realize a man should not wear that which pertains to a woman need. Shall a woman wear that which pertain it? Unto a man. Amen. And so we need to to stand strong and stand right. You know, all of a sudden here in the churches, you start seeing this, you know, the Duck Dynasty look and stuff with men and stuff, you know. Dynasty, right? <laughs> and that's what it's called. Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Dynasty. Because that's what it is. See? And so we have to realize that if we're not careful, we're going to die nasty, you know. So we have to make sure that we want to represent Jesus. You know, a little bit is a little leaven, the scripture says, that leavens the whole lump. Amen. You, you make one compromise and you're going to compromise somewhere else. It gets to rolling and it just does not stop. Amen. So we have to make sure that we follow the scripture and live according to God's word. Amen. So we do not violate his word and we stand strong. And it's our responsibility to teach people. It's our responsibility to live in such a way that men shall see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Amen. 
Because when we start changing and, you know, wearing each other's attire and each other's adornments and each other's garments, it makes us to be weak. It makes a nation weak. It makes a people weak. You know, it makes your defense weak. You know, people think it's okay for them to be in the military and do all this craziness and everything. You know, some commentaries believe that women shouldn't even be in the military. That was the way it was supposed to be before because they have to adjust and change their identity a lot to be able to, to operate and act like men in wartime situations. You know, so we have to realize that we have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the identity of our adornments. So I have to ask myself, does my attire reflect God? Modesty and apparel. Number H, my identity of strength. Strength. Amen. My identity of strength. Isaiah 51 9 and Isaiah 52 1. Awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days and the generations of old. Are thou not it that have cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? 52.1. Awake, awake. Put on strength, O Zion. Put on thy beauty garments, beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. The holy city, for henceforth, there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. So notice, part of our identity is to be strong. Your attire, what you wear, represents whether you're weak or whether you're strong. The way you conduct yourself, the way you dress, the way you act, all determine your strength as a child of God. So what are some identities of strength that we should have in us? Number one, we should have faith. Faith is an indicator of strength. Faith is an indicator of strength. Notice, amen, in Romans 1, verse 8. Romans 1, verse 8. Amen. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, he tells them that their faith has come abroad. Amen. He says, first, when he's writing to this church at Rome, he tells them, he says, the first thing I want you to know, he's giving them exhortation about their faith. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So here's the church. Notice, in, the, uh, in that known world at that time, this church's faith was being spoken of. Your faith should be seen in Christ. Amen. When people talk about you, they should be talking about how great your faith in Jesus Christ is. Because with your faith and your identity and your faith, it gives you strength. What follows, amen, with that is going to come. Obedience is going to start flowing, amen, because you can't have obedience without faith. You've got to believe in God. You've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. If you notice the armor of God, what is you carry in your hand? The shield of faith. And you have to have strength to hold that shield up, to ward off, to protect. I mean, can you imagine fighting in the war? Medivia time, 
you've got a sword or a spear in one hand and you've got the shield in the other and you've got to try to protect yourself and at the same time you've got to fight with the other hand. So you've got to believe in that shield. You've got to have the faith to believe that whatever God says, He will do and what God will come through you, through for you. You don't want to cave in. You want to stand strong. You gotta have faith. Uh, amen. And so your faith is an indicator of your strength. It identifies your strength in Jesus Christ. Look at Philemon, uh, Philemon, excuse me, can't even talk. Philemon, verse four through six. A layman, verse 4 through 6. It's just, it's just uh, one chapter and it's just one book there. And verses 4 through verse 6. Paul says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus Christ and towards all saints, that the communication of your faith or of, of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul tells Philemon that his faith is communicated. In other words, it's being seen, it's been revealed. I know you got it in you. He's he's right in Philemon to 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 ask him to receive back Anisimus, who was a runaway slave. And he says, I know you have faith in Jesus. I, I'm hearing about it. It's communicated, you know, and everything. And that's it shows your strength, the way your faith communicates. Amen. Your actions, your behavior in the Lord, amen, and who you are in Christ should be seen by all. In the same way, it should be coming forth. Amen. You should be able to stand firm and solid without wavering when things come against you because you know who he is. Amen. Part of your identity is to have the faith in Jesus Christ. How can you say I'm a child of God and you don't have any faith? Did not it come with your Holy Ghost? Is not it a fruit of the Spirit? Amen. So you've got to have faith. Amen. Your identity of strength is identified by your faith. And number two, if we talked about Sunday, is courage. Physical courage and mental courage. Physical courage is being able to stand against opposition or things that are coming up against you. And mental courage is having the intestinal fortitude to say yay and nay and yes and no and to do the right thing when no one is watching. You've got to have courage, amen, to show forth the identity of God. Now look at what God told Joshua and Joshua 1, amen. Joshua chapter 1. Start with verse number, let's go with verse number 6. Amen. Verse number 6. Joshua 1, 6 through verse 9. Give you a chance to get there. Are you there? All right. Everybody's there. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that I is written therein. For then thou shalt make your way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. So notice what the Lord said to Joshua. He says, be strong and of good courage. Amen. So part of being your identity is to have courage within yourself. Amen. Be willing to stand. Be willing to not be afraid. Be willing to take on what God is saying. Notice how he says you obtain courage is to not let the word depart out of your mouth. The stronger you are in Christ, amen, the more courage you will have. You'll keep trying. You'll keep moving forward. Amen. You'll motivate yourself. You'll pick yourself up. You'll have inward esprit de corps. You'll pick yourself up. You'll be able to sing a song when you're going through things in your life. You'll lift your head up. You won't walk around with your head down because part of your strength and courage is to still stand strong when you know all hell is broke against you. You can still stand firm and still lift your hands and still believe and trust God that he's going to come through to you. The word of God, amen, you have to stand upon the word of God. Like Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. That's encouragement. And he shall stand in the latter days. And after the skin worms that ate my flesh yet in my body, I shall see God. Amen. You've got to have the courage, amen, to take a stand. For right and for wrong, amen, and to protect yourself and to defend yourself, amen. Don't fear, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Have courage within yourselves, amen. Don't fear people. Don't fear what people say, amen. They put on their pants and dress just like you do, amen. You know, people are talking about, oh, we shouldn't be bullied, oh, you know, that's the big thing. Kids shouldn't be bullied. People shouldn't be bullied. Well, get some guts. You know, and because the media says it and because you have 900,000 classes, it's not going to stop the bully. He's still going to be a bully until somebody punches lights out. You know, that's what has to happen. You have to take a stand. You, know, you got to have some courage. You know, you know, Goliath came out every day, you know, and tormented him. Isn't it amazing that Goliath was just as afraid of them as he was him? But because he was bigger, they feared him. You ever read the story? Why do a nine-foot guy need an armor bearer? Why do you need somebody to go before him, some little guy to go before him, you know, with a shield and a spear? If you that big, you know, and he would come out. Ain't it amazing when you read the story? You got that much height? 
Ain't nobody coming out. Won't you just go across, walk across the valley and go over there and, and chase him? He come out on top of the hill and he just stand and torment. You know, he would not cross that valley to go over. Goliath was no fool. You know, he knew what God had did for Israel. You know, he was just trying to torment them to make them give up. And that's what they were doing. They sat there for 40 days and become tormented and discouraged, you know, because nobody would go out. But when David showed up, he said, oh, what's going on here? Uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he used to defile the armies of God? And when they tell David what he could get, <laughs> he, a package, <laughs> come with this, you know, I get a wife, I get a king's son-in-law, man. Yeah, I go fight the God. Uh, and David just went out and, and fought him. Look at the courage. You know, David said, you come to me with the sword and the spirit and the shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, whom you defile. And David said, this day he will deliver you into my hands. It's not going to be me. It's going to be the God that you're defiling. You know, because the Bible said in Ecclesiastes, where the word of a king is, there is power. See, David had already been anointed to be the king of Israel. As a little boy, he had already been anointed. Samuel had already anointed David before he, he ever went down there. You know? So he, and he's, what did he tell Saul? The God that delivered me out of the Paul, the bear, and the lion, he'll deliver me out of this. That's courage. You know, God did it once, he'll do it again. You have to have the courage and believe. Amen. Believe in yourself. Believe in the Lord and his might. You know, fret not. Amen. You remember when Jehoshaphat prayed, you know, and God spoke to them? You know, when they came out the gate, what does Jehoshaphat say? Believe in the Lord. Don't fear. Don't fret. So just let's sing your way through it. Courage. Amen. Number three is part of the identify your strength is commitment. You have to be committed to the things of God. Look at Ruth. It would have been easy for Ruth to be discouraged. You know, I think Ruth and Esther's books of that, that the ladies all the time in churches should be, you know, looking at and, and seeing their actions and their conducts and how they conduct themselves. You know, it would have been easy for Ruth to go back. You know, Naomi tells us, you have no obligation, you know, to me. You have no obligation whatsoever because your husband is dead. My husband is dead. Your sister-in-law, his husband is dead. So you really have no obligation. You can go back home. But notice what she said. Don't entreat me to leave you. Where you go, I'm going. Where you live, I'm going to leave. Your people, it's going to be my people. Where you die, that's where I'm going to die. And that's where I'm going to be buried. The only thing that's going to separate you and me is death. That's commitment. My goodness. That is commitment. And because it showed her strength by her commitment, look what God did. Amen. She gets back into Bethlehem. And, I mean, she goes out. She has courage to go out in that field, you know, to work, knowing she's an outsider. You know, She's going out among Jews and she's a Moabite. You know, she could have been totally embarrassed because why? She's having to glean leftovers. You know, she's almost like a peasant. 
out there picking up what is left over, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, within her, she has courage. She has commitment to try to survive and and to make a way for her and her mother-in-law. And because she did this, I believe God saw her actions and God saw her ways. And as a result of that, you know, he put Boaz in her pathway to be able to see her, you know. And as a result, he took notice of her. Amen. Because she was committed. And when she asked Boaz, she says, you know, why? Why? who am I that you would take notice of me? What did he tell her? It's been told me the things you have done for your mother-in-law. You are a virtuous woman. Amen. That's why Solomon's mother would later write, who can find a virtuous woman for a price? Is far above rubies. You can't put a price tag on that kind of woman. Amen. That identifies with commitment and courage. Amen. The way Ruth did. Amen. You have to think about Esther being tormented year after year. Amen. She was still willing to go and to still willing to get a hold of God and to pray to seek God. It would have been easy for her to be devastated, being tormented by her adversaries over and over and over. And just say, no, I'm not going to Jerusalem to worship. I'm not going to the feast this time. I'm not, you know, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She still went. And she found her way into the house of God. And she poured out her heart to God. And God heard her. Amen. Commitment. Amen. Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have forgiven. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth to those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul was a man of commitment. And it was revealed, you know, his identity was identified with his commitment of the Jews Five times received by forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in danger often, in perils of my own countrymen. He goes on all the things that he went through there in Second Corinthians 11. Paul is talking about everything that he faced, and he said, but none of it moved me. Amen. He was committed to the gospel and the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must too, and we're going to be identified in strength with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our joy, amen, our joy is identify a part of our strength. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Eat the fruit, drink the sweet, send portions to them that have not. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Keep your joy. You know, keep your joy. Don't let the enemy take your joy. The only way you can get anything from you is you got to give it to him. That's the, that's the thing of being a Christian. You know, if the enemy takes anything from you, he can't steal your joy. He can't steal your peace. He can't steal your righteousness. He can't steal your holiness. He can't take anything from you. You have to give it up. Amen. Because he's afraid of you. He's only going to come so close. Because he's afraid he'd get the blood on him. 
<laughs> Amen. So you got to keep your joy. Amen. Have joy within yourself. Amen. It is important that we keep our joy. Get up and sing a new song. <laughs> you don't hang your harps on the willow. Amen. Like they did. They said, sing us a song. You know, how can we sing in a strange land? And the Bible says in Psalms 137, they hung their harps on the willow. Man, the thing that you can praise God with, you're going to get rid of it? You're going to stop using it? Amen. Your joy. I was glad. When they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. You know, notice what the psalmist said there in Psalms 42. Amen. When he's talking about as the deer or as the heart pant to the water brook. He says, I went to the church. He says, with a voice of joy and praise. With the multitude on a holy day. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? He says, hope thou in God. Why should you praise him for the help of his Continents, you know, and at the end of this passage, he says the same thing again. Why are you cast down? He says, "Don't you hope in God?" He says, "Yeah, I will praise Him, who is the help, 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 help of my continents and my God." Amen. He says, "I'm nothing is going to stop me from praising God because I got to keep my joy because that's where my strength is." If the enemy of our souls can stop us from praising and giving God thanks, that's why Paul would later come on in many years after David and those guys, and he would say, Rejoice in the Lord all the more. And again, I say rejoice. See, let your moderation be known to all men. That the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made on to God and the peace of God which passive all understanding would keep the hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. He told the church at Thessalonica in the fifth chapter, he says, Rejoice evermore and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. we got to get into the praise mode. When you notice when you get to Psalms, amen, when you started coming out of Psalms 119, if you ever notice the rest of the Psalms all the way to the end, all this is all about is praising God. Amen. There's opportunities constantly about praising God. Amen. Psalms 117, two verses, man. Praise God. <laughs> constantly. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. That's all that they want you to do. Because who so often praise glorifies me to him that ordered his conversation right. Well, I show the salvation of God. So we got to keep praising God. Amen. As our identity of our strength is, again, it goes back to what I said at the onset, is our dress and our appearance. And our modest apparel and our appearance. Amen. We, how we dress and how we look determines if we're strong or weak. We gotta have dignity. You know, we want to, to be strong. Look at what Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.9. 1 Timothy 2.9, real quick. Time is slipping right away from me. But that's okay. I got all night. <laughs> what do you mean you got to go home? Come on. <laughs> First Timothy 2 9. You there? Okay. You there? Thank you. I got to get there. 
I might come across a gold nugget while I'm reading inside this stuff. Amen. Yes, okay. Verse 9. In like manner also that the woman adorned themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broaded hair or gold or apparel or costly array, but which becoming woman professing godliness with good works. That word shamefacedness there, you know what it means? Honor and respect. It means honor and respect. And the word sobriety means sound mind and with self-control. Sound mind and with self-control and with honor and respect. So what Paul is saying here, he says is in like manner also that the women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with honor and respect and sound mindedness and self Control, not with broaded hair or gold or pearl or costly, but that which becoming woman professes. Think about it. It goes right back to what we've been talking about, having dignity. That's all he's saying. Be dignified. Amen. And how you dress, how you look. See? And it's the same for the goose. <laughs> should be for the gander. <laughs> you know, as men, we should be the same. We should have respect. We should have self-control. Our strength and our dress and appearance should reflect dignity. It should reflect honor and self-control. Amen. If we, you know, we should look like Pee Wee Herman. You remember Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> no, but that seems to be the outfit nowadays. You know, that's why when you go to the store now, you see all this stuff on the for sale racks. You have to be careful. Because if you don't look at the tag, you know what you're going to go home with? Something that's slim fit. <laughs> that's all those racks is. They got so much of it. See, it was a fad that took off. See, and everybody thought it was going to be a fad that was going to stay forever. So all the stores brought all this stuff in. And now you have to be real careful when you see something that's on the rack. You know, you have to look at the tag because it will say slim fit. If you got a pot like me, it ain't going to fit. <laughs> That's why I wear rainbow ties, you know. There's a pot at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 9 and 8. Ecclesiastes 9 and 8. <laughs> you guys, we got to have fun, see. The joy of the Lord gives you strength. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 9.8. Solomon, again, right into the church here. <laughs> he says, let thy garments be always white and let thy head lack no ointment. Amen. Let your garments be always clean and pure. You know? Let your garments be clean, white, reflecting righteousness. White means righteousness. Say, it, it means purity. 
And so therefore, if we have the Lord in us, then we're supposed to be pure and right. And so our garments reflects our strength in the Lord. Our dress and appearance is very important to us and to others. Amen. We have to maintain our dignity and the way we look and, and, and what we wear. Amen. We have to make sure that when we sit, we don't see Londoners in France and all these other places, right? We, we've got to make sure that we are modest in our attire. Amen. This is what God desired because it identifies our strength. Skipping real quick here. Our humility identifies our strength. Amen. Proverbs 15.33, Proverbs 15.33, tell us that before humility, honor is humility. Humble yourself to walk humbly before your God. Amen. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.6, he says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you in due season. See, have that meekness. You remember what Jesus said, blessed are the meek for what? They shall inherit the hurt. See, because if we walk humbly before God, and not in a prideful way, see, it goes back with the modesty dressed and everything else. It represents humility. It represents the dignity that we are to be. Because we're identifying with Him. And he will exalt us in due time. Our garments are to be righteous. They are to be pure. Amen. And all that we do. So humility. Amen. And last but not least, we got to have self-discipline. Temperance has got to be part of our identity that helps control us. So we must identify our strength. Amen. In the Lord. we got to be have the strength of the Lord to be identified with him. Think about Jesus. He carried that cross up that mountain. Amen. After being beaten, after being bruised, after being pierced, all these things. And he was still able to carry his cross up that mountain. Amen. And we've got to have the same commitment and the same candor, the same confidence, the same love, the same faith. Amen. To be able to do it and to identify it as a spiritual warrior, we've got to make sure that we keep on the whole armor of God. We've got to have our loins girded about with truth. You've got to know the truth of God's word. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. I mean, you've got to have the truth around you to protect you. That's why you want to have it around you. It's like a fortification. It's like a, a, a bulwark. That's to be around you. The word of God be around you. In other words, Jesus is truth. And so when we are buried in him, in the name of Jesus, we put on Christ. So therefore, we should have the word of God constantly around us. No matter where we are, when we get in our cars, we should pray. Or we back out for God's hand of safety and protection. Hold a scripture over your vehicle, you know, to protect you in your home. Amen. It should be on your job. Amen. Put on that armor. Have your breastplate of righteousness on. Amen. Learn to do what is right at all times. Don't compromise integrity. Because if you give up your integrity, 
you have no integrity. So keep your integrity intact. Keep your righteousness intact. You know, walk in peace with those that are without. Do everything you can to maintain the peace in your life and in the lives of others. To help them to maintain peace. Keep your faith strong. Keep your head in the game. Keep on the helmet of salvation. Know that you're always saved. Act like you're saved. Believe that you're saved. Amen. Present to the world that you're saved. And above all, you got to have the Word of God, sword of the Spirit, in your hand. Protect. Write it on the, on your hands. Amen. Keep it on there. Amen. So that you present Christ in your identity. Amen.